Again, let's a big hand a valley welcome to Melinda. Thank you, Pastor Lynn. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Um, it's always such a blessing to come because there's so many beautiful people here, but especially your pastors. And I'm, I'm sure you recognize what a gift of God they are. But Ephesians 4 talks about that when Jesus um, led captivity captive, he gave gifts unto men. And the gifts God gave you are Pastor Lynn and Pastor Renee. Amen. They're gifts to you. And they're so precious and so humble and so beautiful. I mean, it's such a rare thing to find such a man to seek God and humble. And yet these people are elegant. Their home is beautiful and elegant. I mean, it's just everything about them screams beauty and, and the love of God. And it's just amazing. And I'm just, I'm blessed to know them. And I know you're blessed to have them in your life. And I was so blessed to watch little Miss Christy up here as she just danced before the Lord. Did you just feel the pleasure of the Father? Did you feel that like I did? It was like as she's dancing and, and just worshiping, I just, it's just like David. She doesn't care what anybody else thinks. She's just going to worship God. Amen. And we all got to get in on that worship with her. So you come with that same expectation, that same hunger, the same passion for God. Um, there's such a presence of the Lord that you all, in seeking God, have created in this place. And uh, when we walked into the back, I walked in to the presence of God. And it was so powerful. It was like the kabod is here. That glory is here. And... Uh, I'm so thankful that I get a chance to be a part of it. So I've been here numerous times from years ago. So I feel like you guys are already home. So I'm not going to bother to tell you all about my life ministry, but we have ministered in like five or six different nations in Africa, from Congo, which is where I ended up meeting my husband, to Rwanda. We were in Kenya uh, as refugees from Rwanda, uh, we were in uh, Tanzania for the last 20 years, and then the very last seven in Zambia, which is where my husband is right now. Raised three children. I have two grandchildren now, and uh, grandchildren are the best. They are the best. And uh, mine are just cute and adorable and too far away. So I've been praying about what to share today. And the thing that came to my heart is the Lord has been speaking to me about it. And he said that he wants this body to go up to a new level. Yeah. He, he's, he's raising you up to a new level. And that next step in the level is unity. Because if you don't have that, you don't go up. Yeah. It's, um, how do I describe this? Um, when we were, well, when I was studying Swahili, I went to Nairobi and I went to language school there. My mom came out to visit and we took a safari to Ambroselli National Park. And while we were there, 
there was this huge herd of Cape buffalo, you know, hundreds of them, and there was a lioness and four cubs, and the lioness was hunting, going to pick off one of the buffalo, and, you know, she'd spotted a weak one, a young one, whatever. You know, they look for the weak, they look for the young, and they look for the isolated. That's how they get them. And the Bible talks about the fact that sheep without a shepherd are scattered and they're perish and, and they get devoured. Satan goes around looking whom he may devour. And if you're out by yourself and you're not in a herd with a shepherd, you're in trouble. So you need to put roots down. Those who are in the house of the Lord, they prosper. Not those who run from church to church to church. You have to be planted in the house of the Lord. Then you will prosper. So I watched the lioness, and she's going to, to um, get one of the Cape Buffalo. And somehow, all of a sudden, the whole herd knew. And this is the amazing thing about the herd. The, all the, the big mamas, they put the babies and the weak ones in the middle. And they moved with, the, with their heads, the tails where all the weak ones are, but those huge, massive horns in their heads were going, and they moved as a whole team, a whole herd, a whole group towards that lioness. Well, I'll tell you, she took one look, and she's like, not today. And she turned and ran, and the cubs ran after her. And that's the way we have to be. See, the devil can pick you off by yourself, but if you're in the herd... You're in with the shepherd, and, and you're plugged in, and you are loving each other and walking with each other. Satan doesn't have a chance on you. Amen. It's, it's a, a real key to safety. It's a key to blessing. We're going to see in Psalms 133. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is. For brethren to dwell in unity. It's like precious oil upon the head and running down the beard, the beard of Aaron. Running down the edge of his garments. Okay, so what does it say? Unity is like oil. What is oil a picture of? The Holy Spirit, the anointing, the presence of God. So if you have the oil... Of unity, you have a higher glory and presence of God. It's pleasing to him. It says it's like precious oil being poured on the head, running down the beard and all the way through the body. So that is referring to, of course, the body of Christ. It's like dew on Hermon. That's the freshness. That's the water of refreshing that descends upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing. It's there, in the unity, in the oneness, not the bickering, not the backbiting, not the talking about each other. You hear me? It's in the unity. It's in the oneness, the love of the body of Christ. In that, the Lord has commanded the blessing. Life forevermore. They were talking about life today. This is one of the ways that we secure the life of God in our family, 
the family of God. By our unity and our blessing where the Lord has commanded it because we are one. Isaiah 10.27 says that the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. So if we want to help people get set free, if we want to help break yokes off of people, we're going to have to have that unity so that the Lord can command his blessing, the Holy Spirit can flow. He cannot flow in chaos. He does not flow where there's bickering and strife and self-seeking. And the opposite of unity is self-seeking. This is what destroys marriages. Let me just say this. If I, I accidentally say something that, that pinpoints you, I don't know anything about anybody here. All right? And this happened one time. I went to a church, and I actually was preaching on something similar to this, which is kind of a funny thing. I don't know why the Lord brought this to my mind the other day, but it was out in Lushoto of Tanzania, up in the mountains, and uh, we had interns from our Bible school, three young people that we were uh, helping train for missions, and we were wanting to have a family vacation, so we sent these guys we're going to go to Lushoto to have our family vacation, so we're going to get them plugged in and let them teach and practice praying for people and stuff at a church out there, church I'd never been to. We didn't know the pastor. It was just somebody from our congregation said, well, I came from this place, and I know this pastor, and so we sent these young people there. And at the last day of the conference, I was going to preach just to kind of wind it up. I'd never met the pastor. I'd never walked into that place. Okay? I knew, and I was telling Pastor Lynn and, and Pastor Renee about this, I can always tell when I have something prophetic because it's like the Spirit of God comes up and he's kind of choking in my throat. And I'm like, something's going to come out, and I have no idea what it is. Because <laughs> it is not coming from my head. It just pops out. You know? It comes up into my throat, and I'm like, okay, okay. Holy Ghost, and I know what it's for this particular people or group or time. And uh, I had been carrying something that I could feel, okay, God wants to minister in this church, but I have no idea what it is. So I get up there, grab the mic, and I start to minister. And I start to minister about people self-seeking in the church. And they were talking about the pastor, and they were mad about different things. And I started calling out sins. Now, I didn't know I was. Okay, the only way I found out was that every time I would mention something and somebody came out like, you were mad because a pastor gave somebody a jacket and you didn't get it. And the guy in the front goes, ah, and I'm like, okay, that was his. And then someone else like, you were mad because you didn't get to get on the worship team. And the lady stands up in the back and she goes, ah, and falls on the ground. Kind of going, I have never had a service like this before in my life. But the Holy Ghost called out the sins of those people. The pastors are weeping. You know, Satan was trying to break that church into pieces. And, and God just sent us from absolutely nowhere, you know, eight hours away or whatever, and called out their sins. The people, the pastors are weeping. They run up and they fall at the altar. And they're just weeping before God. The people begin to break 
And they ran up and they wrapped their arms around their pastors and they're begging for forgiveness, repenting before God. And I just kind of stood there and just watched what God did. Because I had no idea. I had nothing to do with it. I just the mouthpiece. So I just say that to say this. If you get a little twitch of a stick when God chastises you and I say something, it's not because anybody told me. All right? Just know that. Nobody's been talking to me. It's only because the Holy Ghost is telling you. So if the shoe fits, wear it. All right? If there's a correction, just take it. Be humble. Be humble because God loves you enough to make a correction. You know, it says that he corrects those that are his sons and daughters. He corrects us. And I say every day, Father, correct me. I want to know when I'm off. And sometimes it hurts, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing. If you're going the wrong direction and the Lord kind of goes pop, pop, pop with his staff, you're going the wrong way. Get back over here. Isn't it good to know? Because there's, so, there's a danger. There's a snare. And he's just trying to take good care of us because he's the good shepherd. So unity and oneness brings us the blessing of God. It makes an atmosphere for miracles and answers to prayer. Discord brings demonic activity. And today we're going to break demonic activity in people's lives. I believe that's why the Lord sent me. Demonic oppression is destroyed by the anointing. And God can do more in one touch of his spirit than teaching for hours. And this is the place that has created an atmosphere for that. Unity equals the presence of God. The yoke-breaking anointing, blessings and miracles, people to be set free. It's a place of answered prayer. Discord, self-seeking, is a place of demonic activity, chaos, striving, and it allows the devil in to wreak havoc. Now, the Bible says that one can put a thousand to flight, but two... 10,000. Do you see how much more powerful we are when we're together? So much more powerful. How much more when there's several hundred of us that we come together like that Cape Buffalo herd. We can put all those lions to flight, have them turn around and run. But if you're that one who's like, well, I'm not going to submit. I'm not going to do that. I'll tell you what, you are praying for the enemy. Genesis eleven six. the Lord said something very outstanding. He said in Genesis eleven six. that's when the earth had one language and they were all in unity, but they were using that unity to do something evil. It was devil worship. They were trying to, uh, to build a tower to the sky and build a name for themselves. That sound a little bit like self-seeking? Yeah. And uh, it says in verse 5, the Lord came down to see the city which they were building. And in verse 6, it says, indeed, the people are one. They have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose will be withheld from them. So in our unity, 
Nothing is impossible. Nothing. The Lord said he had to confuse them so that they wouldn't join together and do something totally evil. Well, how much more if we join together for God can we accomplish for his kingdom? The first thing Satan does is try to backbite, start talking about somebody, and cause strife. James, let's go to James 3. In verses 14 to 18, I um, like to read this through in different translations, but um, in the New King James, it says, If you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, don't boast and lie against the truth. For this wisdom does not descend from above. This isn't from God. This isn't God's wisdom. It's earthly sensual, and demonic. Where envy and self-seeking exist, there is confusion and every evil work. Every evil work. You have created a place for the devil to work. The wisdom that's from above is first pure, then peaceable. It's peaceable. It's gentle. It's willing to yield. Hallelujah. Well, that wasn't very good. I come from Africa. I like a little bit more response, all right? (laughs) Willing to yield. Amen? Amen. Not my will. Willing to yield. I mean, can you put this into driving? Can you be willing to yield to the other person? Full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. It's just amazing what he says here. That if you have bitter envy and self-seeking, you're selfish. The one root cause of, of real destruction of marriage is selfishness. It's self-seeking. You're selfish. One person is selfish. Maybe they're both selfish. Then you really have a problem. Okay. So uh, let's, let's go to uh, Romans chapter 16 and look at verse 17. I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses. You're supposed to pay attention to those people and do what? Contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. So you mark them. It's like, That one's causing strife in the church. Watch out for that one. And you stay away from them. Now, someone needs to talk to them and say, you know what you're doing is not right. What you're doing, that's that's demonic, self-seeking, bitter envy. You need to stop. And if we love them, we correct them. You don't let someone keep going. No, this says, note those who cause divisions and offenses and avoid them. Don't let them go around and cause strife everywhere because they're being sent by the enemy. I, uh, my husband and I watched this thing called the Fuel Project, and it, it went way back even to the garden and before, and it, it, it followed the enemy's work all the way up to the, the present time. And the one thing, I guess that I really took away from it was this. 
that the enemy's tactic is to always cause strife in God's work. And they'll, I mean, even like political parties, they'll go, okay, well, I'm from this side, but I'm going to go to the other side and I'm going to cause strife for them and talk about them and constantly keep fighting going on so they can never win. That's what they do. And that's what the devil does. Okay, so think about it. If God is enthroned in the praises of his people, who is enthroned in backbiting Criticism and strife. The enemy. Here today, we're enthroning the Lord. We're just having this wonderful time in his presence. And all it takes is someone to try to go, well, I didn't like the way so-and-so was dressed. And I didn't like the way they said, I didn't like that song. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. And they start to nitpick and talk bad and talk bad. And someone who say, you know what? You just need to pray for them. Because a prayer warrior, which this church is full of them, is the one who prays and doesn't talk. You can't be praying for someone and backbiting them. It doesn't work. It's, it's the truth. If, you, if you're praying for someone, even praying for, um, you know, government leaders and stuff, you can't go around and talk bad about them. You've got to pray for them. You know, we're breaking the, the enemy's stronghold off of them. But we got to get in there. You can't be talking and be praying because you're, you're talking will break your prayers. According to 1 Peter, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3. And verse 7. And I don't know how it is I always get into marriage, but it happens all the time. And this is another time, so just be ready. Husbands, okay, man, we're talking to you. Dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife. This is a key thing. It's a key thing. Why we're already told in Ephesians that we're supposed to honor our husband. You don't nag him. You don't backbite him. You don't go around and tell everybody everything bad about him. Well, men, you can't do that about your wife. Why? You honor her as the weaker vessel. You know, in Africa, they went to say, okay, this really heavy luggage here, honey, come here. And they pick it up and they put it on her head and she carries it. Okay, that is not honoring her as a weaker vessel. Yeah, some things have to be changed in Africa. It's something we talk about a lot. No, but the wife should be honored as a weaker vessel and honored as an heir together with the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Do you see that unity in marriage is key to getting your prayers answered and having honor? So it's the same as honoring your um, leadership, your pastors, Ladies honoring your husband, husbands honoring your wives. Okay, I knew, we figured this out. You know, I'm kind of slow sometimes, so it's, it takes me a while to figure things out. But every time Dan and I fought, our oldest daughter Hannah would get sick. Every time. Every time. You know, you'd think I'd be a little bit smarter. I'd figure that out a little earlier. But we would fight, and the next thing, Hannah's got a fever. She's sick. 
And it happened every time. And I was like, Lord, why is this happening? And he's like, it's because discord and dishonor break the power of your prayer. So we have to be willing to yield, not to sin. We don't yield to sin. We're not yielding to that. That's when you stand strong and you fight for it. You know, no, I'm not going to give in to that. But you yield in love. I mean, it's like, well, I don't want to go to the Mexican restaurant tonight. I want to go over here, you know. I don't know. Stupid things. People fight about stupid things. It's not usually the big things. It's the little foxes that spoil the vines. You know, he looked at me wrong. Well, she asked if I liked her outfit. Does this make me look fat? You know, don't say that. Don't ever say that. Our honor to each other, our, our holding unity in our family gets our prayers answered. How much more in the body of Christ? If we can see it on the small scale, we can see it on the big scale. Let's go to Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 18. Where Jesus says, assuredly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And can I just say, if there's fussing and fighting and discord in your family, in your life, in your church, in your business, whatever. Jesus said a house divided against itself can't stand. So that's exactly what Satan wants to do is cause division. So we're not going to let it happen. We're going to love. We're going to be kind. You know, it doesn't cost anything to be kind. It doesn't cost anything to, co to be kind to someone, to judge your words. You don't have to say something ugly and mean. I, I have never been able to be around women that are like cats. And I love cats, okay. But this is a bad illustration for cats. Uh, you know, they want to claw and at you. Oh, look at her hair. Look at her this. Look at her that. And I hate that. I will never be around women that are like that, that, that tear down another. That's ugly. Be loving. Be kind. Be supportive. We build each other up. We don't tear each other down. Hallelujah. My father in the faith used to say this, blowing somebody else's candle out doesn't make yours burn brighter. Uh -huh, that is so true. Blowing someone else's candle out doesn't make yours burn brighter. So don't do it. Okay, so whatever is bound on earth, heaven binds it. Whatever is loosed on earth, heaven looses it. 19. Again, I say to you, if any two of you agree on earth as touching anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So the greatest power of unity is husband and wife. That's very powerful. If you have husband and wife in agreement, well, your prayers just go boom. 
They're explosions. They're like nuclear weapons. Over your kids, over your family, over your business, over your jobs. So you see how important agreement is? You see how important unity is? That God says that when you're in unity, when you're in agreement, your prayers will not be hindered, but they'll be answered by the Father in heaven. For wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. He's there. When we're in unity, he commands the blessing, life evermore. And who is life? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's there in the midst of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just look real quickly at Philippians 2. This one always really gets to me. Philippians 2. And in verses 14 and 15. Do how many things? All. Gosh, did he really mean all? If you look that word up in the Greek, what do you think it means? All. All. Yeah. Do all things without complaining or disputing. Hmm. That even means changing dirty diapers, cleaning toilets, all the nasty things that somebody has to do at one point or another. Cooking, answering the phone, doing something your husband wants you to do. Do it without complaining. Wouldn't that be amazing? Without complaining, without disputing. And what? That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault. Wow. Wow. That we can be without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. How different will we be from everybody else? Because everyone else is complaining, griping. And it's really easy to do that when you see what's happening in the world right now. I'm very tempted, even just with things that happened this last week, to want to really gripe and complain. But griping and complaining never solves it. And we don't want to hinder our prayers, for crying out loud. We need our prayers to be effective. So for us to shine blameless and harmless... Children of God without fault and to shine like lights in this world, we're going to have to hold fast that our words be a blessing, that our words decree what we want to see to come to pass, okay? If you judge every word that comes out of your mouth, hear me, hear me. I started doing this some years ago, that I judged every word that came out of my mouth. And sometimes, okay, we all slip up because the Bible talks about in James that the person who can control their tongue is a perfect person. So that's our goal, is to be the one who controls their tongue for everything they say. Everything. Okay, so never tell a lie. Not even a little white lie. And if you say something wrong, Correct yourself right there in front of everybody, in front of God and everybody. Because once you do that long enough, you'll go, I am humiliating myself all the time. I'm just not going to say it anymore. <laughs> you know, I, I even tried really hard to judge on, um, on, on silly sayings, you know. Uh, even say, I, I told you a million times. 
Well, no, you didn't. So don't say it. You know, little things. Because you have to believe every word that comes out of your mouth. Because Jesus said that when you believe what you say, you'll say to the mountain and it's removed. So you have to judge every word. Because I want the words that come out of my mouth to move mountains. So I have to make sure that the words I say are words that I can believe. So you can't have even the smallest little bit of lie. And if it's something you can't say, you know, what, 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 did, what did your father tell you this morning? If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. For all of you people that knew Bambi, right? Um, that's, that's what you have to do. You judge every word that comes out of your mouth. And you, you filter it through, is it true? If it's not, you know what? You can just not say it. Or if it's, if it's not edifying, don't say it. You know, wives, you're the closest one to your husband. You can tell everybody all the awful things that he does. Yeah, you can. But does that bless him? Does that bring unity and love to your relationship? No. Hallelujah. Okay. Okay, we're here in Philippians in chapter 2. Let's just hop up there to uh, verse 2. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Having the same love. Being one accord. Does that sound like unity? One accord. Same love. Like-minded. Have one mind. And we should have the mind of Christ. So whatever the word says is what, we, is what we think on. Okay? If it's porn, cast it aside. That's not God. Those things, Bible says cut off your hand, plug out your eye. Those things will take you the wrong way. You don't want it. If they're marriage destroyers, the relationship destroyers, they bring darkness to your soul. It's joining yourself to a prostitute. You need to repent. You need to cry out to God. Ask him to help. He's there to help us through everything. He's there to help us through everything. If you've been addicted and you've been pulled on that, God wants you to set free today. That's even witchcraft. And and I want to pray today for people who have had any sort of witchcraft I was getting ready for church this morning, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I want you to break witchcraft off of the lives of people. Because there's people here, I don't know who it is, but I'm telling you that the Lord has uh, deliverance for you today. If you've had witchcraft in your life, and that would mean tarot cards, that would mean uh, horoscopes, Ouija boards, there's so many, porn, all of those are witchcraft. They're demonic spirits. They're opening up your family to devil worship. And it has to be broken. And Jesus said he wants to break it from us today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Being of one mind, and that's the mind of Christ, that we renew our minds, amen, so that you think like God thinks. Okay. Three, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. Hey, I think we heard that before, right? Let nothing be done through selfish ambition. 
or conceit. And that's the same thing it said envy and self-seeking in James, right? So this is just the, the, it's reversed around, but it says the exact same thing. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, that's humility, let each esteem others better than himself. If we do that, that's what humility is all about. That's how we become great in the kingdom of God. Do you remember that the disciples were fighting on their way? They're on their way to Jerusalem, and they're fighting, and Jesus said, hey, what are you guys fighting about back there? What are you guys talking about? And they're all like, eh, don't want to talk about it. Don't want to tell Jesus. He already knew, of course. And, uh, and they said, well, who's going to be the greatest? Who gets to sit on the throne next to you, Jesus? And then Jesus called a child to him, and he says, you have to have that kind of spirit, the spirit of humility, a spirit of a small child that just believes God, just walks with God, and is not seeking his own. You have to be a servant. You have to be humble. You have to put others first. Imagine having a church where everyone put each other first. Imagine having a marriage where each spouse put each other first. Would that not be wonderful and glorious? I mean, I remember the day that someone said, well, I don't want to do that because my husband doesn't like it. And I thought, you care about what your husband likes? And suddenly the light came on to me. Kind of took me a while. Like I said, sometimes I'm kind of slow. I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing things my husband doesn't like. Yeah, you think? Bless his heart. You know, he put up with me. In lowliness of mind, let each other esteem others better than himself. Each of you look not out for your own interest, but for the interest of others. Praise God. That's what it's all about. I, I remember uh, in Congo when we were there, hearing about pastors down by Lubumbashi, Kolwezi area, and uh, they literally came to a fist fight and drew blood in the church. I mean, really? Really? I mean, how carnal can you be? You know? Hmm. So who's enthroned in strife and fighting? The enemy, demons. I mean, the devil is thrilled about it. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, he said, it's better to be defrauded than to be fighting. Wow. Hmm. Okay, let's look at 1 Corinthians 1.10. And I'm going to read this in the Passion Translation. I urge you, my brothers and sisters, for the sake of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to agree to live in unity with one another. That is, to have a united testimony, to put to rest any division that attempts to tear you apart. Be restored as one united body, living in perfect harmony. Form a constant choreography amongst yourselves. That is just so beautiful. Having a common perspective with shared values. And you know what the value of this church is? Is that your passion for God and your passion for prayer, you, you have a passion for God and a humility. This comes from your pastors, the worship team, and it flows over the whole congregation. 
there's such humility and such a, a simple hunger and passion for God. It's like, I've just got to have more. I've got to have more. I want more. I'm not satisfied. And we, we should never be satisfied. And I guarantee you what? We need this. We need this for what's coming. You stand together. There are some things on the horizon that are just a little bit looming. And if we want to take down the lion, we've got to be like the Cape Buffalo. And we stand together. We don't backbite. We don't backstab. We stand in unity. No division. No division. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, they were in one accord, in one place. They were in one accord. Then God was able to send the Holy Spirit, which changed the world. It changed the world. 5,000, 3,000 saved in one day. Can you imagine? We are getting ready for that. How do we go up to the next level? We lock arm in arm. We love each other. This is a family, a safe place. I don't care if they're coming in with, with piercings and tats and purple hair. And we love them. We're going, okay, you're part of our tribe. We love you. We're going to stand for you, pray for you, get you delivered, get you set free. I don't care if you're confused, if you're a boy or a girl. We love you. And we're going to help you figure it out. Because we know who we are in Christ. We're not confused. Hallelujah. We're not confused. And we have the answer. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Guys, we've got to be together. And even in one place. They were all in one accord in one place. Okay? We cannot forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That's exactly what they tried to do for us in COVID. But we're not going to let ourselves be broken apart. We're going to stay together, pray together, love each other. We're going to see. You know, when Peter and John, who were totally different from each other, in Acts chapter 3, they're on their way to the temple. Peter is like, he's out there, you know. Why? He's a crazy man. And, uh, and then John, he's kind of a, you know, a young, quiet guy. But they're on their way together to the temple. And, and Peter sees the lame man. The lame's like, you know, alms, alms, I need, give me a dollar. Holding up a little sign. We'll, uh, we'll appreciate anything. God bless you. Even a dollar sort of thing, you know. He's lame. He can't walk. He can't move. And, and John's thinking, oh, Peter says, hey, look, I don't have any money, but I do have something else. And he grabs his hand and pulls the man up to stand up. Now, maybe John wouldn't have wanted him to do that. John's looking at him like, Peter, what the heck are you doing? I don't remember seeing Jesus do that. You're just a wild man. You're a crazy man. But you know, instead of criticizing his brother, he stood there with him. He's believing with him and stood with him. And when that man stood, the miracle was theirs because they were in unity. 
because they stood together. They may be, see, the thing is, in, in, in a church, in a church family, we have different personalities. You know, you may not like mine, but the good thing is, guess what? We're all going to heaven. We're going to have to learn to get along with each other. So even if you don't like so-and-so or it's like that one talks too loud or that one's too abrasive or that one's too this or too that, you know what? Love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers our failures. And when, if someone stumbles and falls, don't beat them over the head like a hog that came to the trough. You go pick them up and you love them and you wash them off. This church is a church of love. This church is a church of miracles. You were blessed to be here, that you found this place. You didn't find it. God actually brought you here. You were supernaturally brought here. It's not by accident. And God has planted you here. So you thrive and grow and prosper in your place. You do what God wants you to do. You can ask the pastors, you know, where can I serve? Where can I be a blessing? You know, maybe you, maybe you don't have a voice to sing, but you can go help in the children's ministry. Or, or you know, you could be in a prayer ministry or whatever ministry, all the different ministries. Serve in the men's ministry or the ladies' ministry. Whatever. But get your hand busy doing something. Hallelujah. Be bringing people to church. Look for someone at work. Look for someone... You know, I, I randomly grab people. I'm kind of wild. You might not have recognized that. So I thought I'd tell you. But yeah, I, I grab people, you know, and say, you need to come to church. I, waiters, they don't have a chance with me. <laughs> the waiters, if we have time, I am grabbing them and going, you know what? <laughs> Jesus loves you. And I just, what's your name? I always ask, okay, let me just tell you how to witness to a waiter or a waitress, Okay. Okay, so when they come, you need to find out. You, you, you build relationship with people. It's all about relationship. So you need to ask their name. And if they're not, okay, if they're too busy and they're running madly, it's not a good time to talk to that person because they will hate you instead of be blessed by you. Okay, so if they're really rushing around and they don't have time, I'll just pray for them, but I won't say anything. But if it's kind of a slow night and things are like, okay, this is my opportunity. And uh, they come, it's like, okay, we went to IHOP with my pastor lady friend uh, after prayer one night. And uh, this is in Hillsborough, Oregon. And, and she loves to go to IHOP and eat these kind of omelets. I just have a bowl of fruit. But anyways, so we're sitting there, and I'm thinking, okay, there's, there's this black guy who's waiting on us. And it's very unusual in Hillsborough to have enough black people. I'm like, you know, we're getting more. And I'm excited because I love Africa. So I love people of color. Color brings life to my world, you know. So I'm like, I'm after this guy. So I'm like, uh, what's your name? Michael. So Michael, you're not from around here. Where are you from? I'm from Illinois. I'm like, oh, okay. Michael, we've just come from prayer meeting. He's like, oh. And I said, yeah. And I want to pray for you. Can I pray for you? And he's like, he gets teared. And he's like, you know what? That'd be an answer for my mama's prayers. See? He said, my mama prays for me all the time to get involved in church. So I said, well, okay, we're church. We're right over here. We want you to come. 
And uh, I, I just didn't let him go. He's like, well, I work on Sunday. Well, what time do you work on Sunday? Well, not till 2.30. I was like, see, you can still come, you know. And we grabbed him. We prayed for him. And you just love people. And then leave them a good tip. Don't leave them a dollar. Jeez. Don't be stingy. If you can't leave a good tip, don't go out to eat. Go to McDonald's. But if you're going to go out to eat, you bless them. You bless them. You give them something. Okay, so we went to this one. I, I, I cannot help but give a little bit of evangelism because it's in my heart. Okay, sorry. But we went to, what was this one? Sherry's. And once again, after we pray until like 10 o'clock, and so there's hardly anything open at that late at night. And Pastor Rebecca, she never eats beforehand, so she's always hungry. So we go out, and I get a bowl of fruit, and she gets something. So, uh, so we're at Sherry's, and they're open till 11. It's like, woo, we got a whole hour here. So this guy, he sits us there, and he was really sweet. He was real sweet. And I just, my heart was really stirring over this man. I've got to pray for him. There's something going on, right? So um, he comes, takes our order, and I don't know, I had, I don't know, 20 30 40 $40 in my pocket. And, and she'd already tipped him, but I went and gave him another $20 or $40. Well, he burst into tears. I said, brother, you've been so sweet, and you've served us here at this late hour of night, and you've been so gracious to us. And I just want to bless you. The Lord told me to give this to you. Well, he's crying. He said, when my wife died, I just told God that I was going to try to serve everybody as best I could with a good attitude. And you know what? That was just a touch from God for that man. We can be that to people. Let's just love people. Love them. Be kind. You don't have to road rage. Yeah. We can be loving and kind even when people make mistakes. People make mistakes. But we can be gracious because our love, the love of Christ in us, covers a multitude of sin. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to call anybody forward that you or your family has been involved in any sort of witchcraft. I want, uh, if you've done horoscopes, psychics, mediums of any sort, tarot cards, Ouija boards, any sort of witchcraft. I'm going to tell you a story about one lady. We were um, our first year in Zambia. Uh, this lady, we were, we'd do service, and then afterwards we cook, and we eat with everybody in the village. And so they're cooking the food, and um, um, this lady grabs me, and she says, I have, uh, I have a problem in my knees. Would you pray for me? And I told her, I won't pray for you unless you renounce witchcraft, because she hiked up her skirt, and she had witchcraft scars all over her legs. So she's obviously been to the, the witch doctor to try to get healed from this, and she never could. Only Jesus. And, I, and, and the thing is, you know what? You can't have one foot in the devil's kingdom and one foot in God's. You know, if, 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 if this fiancé is coming up, and he's going to engage you, and you tell him, well, I'll be yours 300 days of the year, but there's a 65 days that I want to be able to run around and go with other men. How do you think he'll feel about that? Do you think he'll say, yeah, that's fine? I don't know any man that would say that's okay. No. You say, you've got to be mine 100%. And Jesus said, you've got to be mine 100%.
So you can't have one foot for the devil and one foot for God. We have to renounce, renounce any of the devil's work that we've done because people have done it. Sometimes you don't know. That's why I mentioned all the things that I could think of. All of those things are involved in opening the door to the devil in your life. And it has invited demonic spirits into your family and into your health and into your body. So this lady, I told her, you have to renounce the, uh, the devil and promise me that you'll never go back and tell Lord Jesus that you're his. And so we prayed and she made Jesus her Lord. And she renounced witchcraft. And when we started to lay hands on her, immediately the power of God fell. And she fell on the floor and she starts to shake and brown foam comes out of her mouth. All right, that was a little different. And her daughter, who looks exactly like her, the really tall, thin ladies, her daughter is like, what's going on to my mom? Oh, she's fine. She's fine. Trust me. The brown foam, it's nothing. Don't worry about it, you know. The shaking, she's fine. Trust me. She'll be out of this. She comes up after everything is out of her, and she, we, then they called us to eat. So we all sat down to eat, and everyone's looking at her, and she's just like, she's just eating everything she get her hands on. And the ladies are all talking, and Lozi, I don't know Lozi. So I'm like, what, what, what? So I'm asking the interpreter lady who had been working with us, what are they saying? They said she couldn't eat before. She couldn't eat before. And the issue was that those demons that she had, every time would rise up when she tried to eat, they would choke her, throw her down, and blood would come out of her ears, her nose, and her mouth. And that's why she was so skinny. But once she was delivered, she was eating them out of house and home. She's eating everything she get her hands on. And it was a testimony to Jesus. Hallelujah. I guarantee you the next week, every sick person from every village came. They were all there with all sorts of crazy things because they saw God deliver her. And you can be that testimony. You can be that testimony. You can be set free today. And when people see that power of God in your life that sets you free, they want it too. Then you become the testimony to everyone else. So let's bow our heads. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer of, of uh, renouncing and repentance. But then I'd like you to come forward so I can lay hands on you. And we, we're just going to, if there's any demonic force in your life, it'll be off. It'll go from you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So I want you to pray with me. Everybody stand up. We had the, the supper of the Lord today. We honored him and his blood. And that's what his blood did. It set us free. It broke every chain. It broke every addiction. It broke every bondage of the enemy in our lives. We're just so glad. And if you're new, maybe you've just started coming here and, and you haven't been ha let Jesus touch you and get you set free. Today's your day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's just pray. And I want you to just pray after me, but let it come from your heart. And it has to be a heartfelt prayer. When you pray, you pray it from your heart. Let's say, uh, Heavenly Father, 
I come to you today in the name of Jesus and by his blood. And I renounce all the work of the enemy in my life. I renounce porn. I renounce witchcraft. I renounce all of the work of the enemy. I renounce causing strife and gossip. The Lord just told me that. I renounce, let's say it again. I renounce causing strife and gossip and division because that's also witchcraft. Hallelujah. Lord, forgive me. Wash me clean with your blood. I make you Lord of my life, every part of my life, in Jesus' name. Okay, if you want hands laid on, you run down to the front. Let's do this. You put God first. Yes, ma'am. Today was so beautiful. I, I was laughing. I was so convicted the whole time. We're giggling on the front because I felt like I got washed in the Word of God. How many felt like you got washed in the Word of God? Because He's good. And something for me, I'll just share this testimony, um, just how good the Lord is to break off shame. Because I think sometimes we hear these things and we have so much shame connected to it. But guess what? The Lord's good and He convicts you because He cares. And so I, in the season of getting married, there are just interesting things that come up, you know, especially with females. There's just a reality that sometimes we, we need to learn a lot of things. And I was so convicted because in, in the process of this, I began to realize different times that I actually caused division and strife. And so I just got to repent. I was repenting to my friends next to me because that's how good Jesus is. And that's why I was so thankful. I felt like I was getting so washed today. I got so free today. I got filled with different love for people today. And that's what the Lord wants to do. He did it for me. He wants to do it for you. He wants to do it again in Jesus' name.